I think we can all agree in 2022, this past season, one of the tough things for this LSU football team was how long it took the offense to come along and to really find its stride at the beginning of the season. So how is the offense coming along at the beginning of this season? You are locked on LSU, your daily podcast on the LSU Tigers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Well, thank you for making Locked On LSU your first listen every single day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcast. Plus, reminder, you can also find us on YouTube as well. So make sure to check us out. You can watch in addition to listening to the podcast on your preferred podcast platforms. My name is Caroline Fenton, and you can follow me on Twitter at Caroline Fenton One. You can also follow along with the podcast at Locked On LSU. And today's edition of Locked on LSU is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. So right now, when you bet on a Super Bowl winner, you can get bonus bets every time that team wins in the regular season. So check it out. FanDuel.com slash locked on. Well, let's get into it because I believe today marks the halfway point for LSU in fall camp. If today isn't the exact halfway point, We're about halfway, right at the midway point in camp. And this is when ish starts to get real. This is when the conversations that you may have had over the last couple of weeks of, well, it's early. Well, they still have time to work those kinks out. Those start to dissipate because you're running out of time because it's no longer early. And at this point in camp, you really want, you know, the, the rust to be knocked off. You want everyone to be acclimated. You want roles to start being defined. And you want to start your team to start taking shape of what you want it to be week one. Now, that's not to say that it needs to be perfect, that everything has to be all peachy and hunky-dory and that, you know, you don't have any time to fix anything. That's not the case. It's just now it's crunch time. Now you don't have the gift of time that you may have had in the first two, five, maybe even 10 practices. Now it's getting dangerously close to game time. At this point, you want things to start coming together and looking like it's ready for game day. And I think so far, there have been questions about that. But it didn't need to be that way until now. But now, it looks like things are really coming together. And I say that for one of two reasons. One, it's always hard in training camp to evaluate whenever you're not going up against other teams because there are so many times where you might see something and say, like, let's say it was a really beautiful pass. Let's say, hypothetically, Jaden Daniels to Malik Neighbors, a beautiful pass. Okay, well, was that a really great throw? Or did the defensive line not get pressure on him? Well, was it a great catch by Malik Neighbors? Or was it whiffed coverage by the defensive back? You know what I mean? Or if it was a great defensive play, if the defense just dominates the offense, is the defense good or is the offense just bad? You see what I mean? It's kind of hard to determine. and You can really look at it either way you'd like, a half glass half full or glass half empty. But a, one reason why I feel confident now is because it has felt like there are a lot of days that are 50-50. It has felt like there are a lot of days that you step away and you say, I don't really know who won the day, offense or defense, because we saw a whole lot of good from both sides. 
I like that parody. I like the fact that we can step away from training camp every single day and say that was good or that was bad or the offense did some good things and the defense did some good things. You know, there's still things to work on, but overall we feel good about it. And I think the offense is really getting to that point because a couple days ago, I would say the end of last week, let's just say, you know, for arguments purposes, this time last week, Jaden Daniels had his best day in camp that he looked more in command of the offense than he has all camp long. His arm looked stronger than he had looked all camp long. He was more accurate than he was all camp long. He was hitting receivers in stride more than he had all camp long. So, and that's all great. That's wonderful to hear. But at that point in camp, you need to start stacking those days together, that those good days need to become the norm rather than the exception. At that point, it was the exception. At this point, it now has become the norm. That Jaden Daniels has looked solid, has had a, a solid command of this offense. Garrett Nussmeyer has been the same way. That Malik Neighbors has been absolutely, positively outstanding so far in camp. Brian Kelly uh, talked on Malik Neighbors what the difference is for him this season and why he's been looking so strong. This is Brian Kelly of Malik Neighbors. What is it that is maybe allows him to separate himself as a receiver? And where have you seen him maybe take some improvements in his game? Uh, I think it's his mindset. Uh, his skill level has always been there. Um, it's So w- when I talk about his mindset, it's his ability to come out every single day and um, – maintain his emotions um, and and really focus on um, you know what's important and and that is um, being at his best uh, during practice and and not being distracted by anything I thought at times he got distracted um, quite frankly and and let things on the peripheral get in the way of how he came to practice and he'd had some ups and downs during his practice this year so far uh, very little to no distractions has put him in a position where his practicing has been very consistently at a high high level so i don't know exactly what it was that was distracting to Malik Neighbors. I have a feeling maybe it was something that ties back to his arrest a few months ago. He was arrested in Mardi Gras on Bourbon Street for having a gun. I don't know if it has anything to do with that. I don't know if it has anything to do with something else or exactly what it is. And frankly, for me personally, that's none of my business. The most important thing is Malik, that this coaching staff, one, is aware of it, and two, have given him the resources to be able to get past that, to use one of my favorite, you know, coach speak terms to block out the noise and just focus at what on what is at hand. I think that's always key whenever you're working with either second year players or when you have a player that had a breakout season that's coming to build upon what they did the the, the previous year, like Malik Neighbors is, is finding himself in. I think that what's always encouraging and exciting about that is they've gotten that year behind them and knows what it takes to be successful knows themselves the coaching staff knows them a little bit better because when you know when you're coming in either as an unknown or a true freshman or really whatever it might be your true potential isn't unlocked yet because yeah frankly you haven't been there before so with Malik neighbors not only is it okay now he's aware and we're all aware the coaches are aware of his abilities now they're also aware of his weaknesses. 
It's not just focusing on the strengths. It's also trying to weed out the weaknesses or fine-tuning those weaknesses. So that's what is encouraging to me is the fact that Brian Kelly can acknowledge, hey, he's just got to cut out the distractions. Well, if you know that they're there, then you can work on cutting those out. And another encouraging thing to me is – if Malik neighbors this past season, and I don't know if he was or he wasn't, I have to assume that he was, if it's something that Brian Kelly was talking about there, if he was dealing with distractions this past season, imagine how much better he can be when football is his number one focus. And that is exciting for me to hear. The other part of that is it's not just the Jaden Daniels and Malik neighbors connection because it has been strong so far in camp, I think the other encouraging for, thing for me as far as the offense is concerned is how much Jaden Daniels has been spreading the ball around. He's targeting Malik Neighbors a lot, as he should, which is, you know, it's probably going to be the bread and butter of this offense is that Daniels to Neighbors connection. But it's also about, because you also have to understand going into the season, Malik Neighbors is probably going to get double teamed. So it can't just be that one-on-one. And that's also what we've seen in fall camp so far, that it's not just Jaden Daniels to Malik Neighbors. It's Jaden Daniels to Kyron Lacey. It's Jaden Daniels to Chris Hilton. It's Jaden Daniels to Mason Taylor. It's Jaden Daniels getting the running backs involved in the passing game. So that, I think, unlocks a completely another level of your offense, of your passing game, whenever you can spread the ball around. Your number one target's double teams. Your number one target isn't open. Okay, well, then I'll go to the other one. I'll go to the other guy. I'll go to the tight end. I'll go to the running back. It just presents so much more, so many more options and versatility. But speaking of options and versatility, one position group that I think could possibly be the X factor for this offense. And we will get into that coming up next. Before we do that, I want to tell you about FanDuel. Football season is about to kick off and FanDuel is giving you the chance to win all season long. Because right now, when you bet on a Super Bowl winner, you can get bonus bets every time that team wins in the regular season. So just pick any team, any team you want. Maybe you're you're rooting for Joey B and the Bengals. Maybe you are a Saints fan. Who that? You're going to put some money on the Saints to win the Super Bowl after that preseason game on, on Saturday. Uh, whoever you want to put your money on, you can pick it any team that you want. Saturday, I meant Sunday. Any team that you want. You can use your bonus bets on spreads, player props, over-unders, so much more. There are so many options on the FanDuel Sportsbook app. So visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and start earning bonus bets with America's number one sportsbook. That is FanDuel.com slash locked on. Well, thanks again for making Locked in LSU your first listen every single day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcasts. Every dayers coming up tomorrow on the podcast. What's the national media thinking about LSU? We have our thoughts. We have our the things that make us encouraged. We have our doubts. But what does everyone outside of the LSU fans fear? Think about the Tigers this season. We'll get into that on tomorrow's edition of Locked on LSU. But now I want to get into what I think can be the X factor for this offense because I have felt more encouraged about this offense than I have all camp long over the last couple of days just to see how this offense has come along. Some of the the names that have emerged, Camorgan Pimpton, the true freshman tight end, the offensive line. I think it's been proven that there have been there's a lot more depth at the offensive line than maybe we would have realized, at least more than I 
realize Jaden Daniels has been stacking really solid practices on top of each other. Garrett Nussmeyer has been doing the same. Malik Neighbors looks poised and ready to build upon what he did in his breakout season. And I, on top of all of that, all of those positive things, I think the number one X factor for this offense is going to be the running back room. And that's for a few different reasons. I think the first and foremost, the most obvious and probably the biggest reason why I'm so encouraged by this position group is simply the depth. LSU has eight running backs in that room. Eight. And of those eight, more than half of them have quality college football experience. You have Josh Williams, Noah Kane, Armani Goodwin, that all have solid LSU experience under their belts. Logan Diggs coming in from Notre Dame, who has a couple of seasons of starting college football experience under his belt, had over a thousand yards total rushing and receiving at Notre Dame this past season. So this is this is a stacked running back room in terms of skill, ability, experience, and just sheer numbers. But why does that matter? Why does having that kind of depth matter? First and foremost, it gives you options. It gives you versatility. It gives Mike Denbrock the ability to be so creative in what he wants to do with the running backs. And I'm not just saying in the run game, because that's not the only way that these running backs are going to be used. It's not just going to be in the ground game. It's going to be in the passing game as well. So Mike Denbrock can be creative in the run game whenever he's working with such a stacked and loaded running back room. And he can be creative with the numbers or the way that the the running backs are used. The second thing, and this is something that Brian Kelly brought up um, when he was at the podium this past week, was if one running back goes down with injury, the run game is not going to be hurt so immensely that it's a noticeable difference. I don't want to say that, okay, one running back goes down, then it's just plug and play and plug and play and that the player doesn't matter. But let's think about, you know, throughout the years of Alabama's dominance, what made them different than every other team in America? It was their depth. And it wasn't the depth in that there were just bodies. It was the idea that they had so much, like so many bodies and so many able bodies that there was, it was just like an assembly line of, of SEC running backs or receivers or whatever position it might be at nearly every single position. The injuries didn't seem to affect that team the way that they may have affected other teams in college football. Because what's the one thing that Brian Kelly told the media would be the difference between, you know, year one and year two or achieving what they want to achieve, what they feel like they can achieve and then not achieving that. And he said, it's going to be depth. That's the difference year one to year two. And that's going to be the difference year two to year three, four, five, six is depth. And that's depth across the board. That's depth at the wide receiver position, depth at the tight end position, depth in the defensive line, depth in the secondary. But it also is depth in the running back room. And so while depth at certain positions are a concern for me, depth at the tight end position is a concern for me. Depth in the secondary is a concern for me. But that's only something that will be changed with time or improved upon with time, rather. Depth of the running back position, you've got that. So you got an injury in the running back room, it's plug and play. It's an assembly line of of running backs that isn't going to set you back completely if and when the injury bug bites. 
And Brian Kelly was asked about the running backs. This was uh, Brian Kelly on the running back room. We've purposely not put out one. Like you, if you went into our locker room, we don't have a depth chart. Um, my experience is once you put up a depth chart, you can go one of two ways. <laughs> you can become really selfish uh, or, or really upset. <laughs> and I just kind of stay away from them. And we just kind of let them go out and compete every day, you know. Um, it's going to take care of itself, you know, when we get to the season. Um, I, I just think that, you know, the running back room itself, you know, we know you can't play eight guys. I, I just think that experience versus inexperience is going to win out in that room. And, and that'll take care of itself. That's the difficult thing with an incredibly stacked room is especially in this era of the transfer portal. And I know that, that players aren't able to transfer now, but bear with me here, especially in the era of the transfer portal, where if it's not the most obvious path to playing time or starting time, it's so easy to find that elsewhere. So that presents complications with depth. Um, whenever you have a stacked room, maybe it creates a sense of negative competition. I always talk about in the podcast how I think competition is a positive thing whenever it's taken positively by the players in that room. But we would be naive to think that that's always taken that way. So I, I at least appreciate Brian Kelly and those coaching staff fostering a healthy competition perspective of a position group that is truly stacked that it's not running back one and running back two running back three running back four that it's not a ranking system that they are simply all are competing for the same position with the number one goal in mind of winning football games it's not about you it's not about your ego it's not about who is the best running back in this room or who's going to get the most reps it's about who's going to give us the best chance to win this down who's going to give us the best chance to win this series, who's going to give us the best opportunity to get to the end zone and who's going to give us the best opportunity to win. That could be all different players. So I do appreciate the way that this coaching staff and Brian Kelly in particular have been approaching this running back room, but it's time for a mailbag. Our first one of the college football season. And I'm going to call this the football season since we're in training camp and we are so freaking close. I can almost taste it. We will get into that coming up next. All right, it's time for a mailbag. Your questions that you sent in this past week, what you want to talk about, what you want to know about. Appreciate everyone for sending in those questions. If you're interested, you want to get involved in a mailbag, then you can send those questions in on my Twitter, at CarolineFenton1. You can send them in on the Locked on LSU Twitter, at Locked on LSU. Or if you're watching on YouTube, you can simply just comment those questions below. I'll be collecting those all week, and I will get to those every single Wednesday. But let's get into it. Your questions now that we are in fall camp. First question, and I got a few variations of this question. The biggest surprise in camp. And some of those questions were posed as which player was the most surprising or has really, you know, emerged in camp or maybe more player specific. Some were position group specific. And it's a very fair question. And it's one that I've thought about, honestly, a lot. One that I don't think that I can truly answer. 
in just, with just one player or one position group. So here are some of my surprises of camp so far. One, how quickly it seems like the defense has come together. We knew what we had in a good bit of those defensive players. Like, we knew what this team had in Harold Perkins. Like, we knew what this team had in Makai Wingo. We knew what this team has in Mason Smith. Now, granted, coming off an injury, that's inherently a question. Very fair one at that. But this team brought in a whole lot of transfers in this class defensively. Omar Spates, Ovia Gufo, Braden Swinson, Jalen Lee, and that's just on the defensive line. It doesn't even scratch the surface of the sheer number of, of players in the secondary that LSU picked up in the transfer portal. Deuce Chestnut from Syracuse, I Alexander from Southeastern, Denver Harris from Texas A&M. It's not easy to bring that many players from that many different programs and that many different defensive schemes and that many different areas of the country and create a cohesive unit out of that. It's tough to do that in a couple of weeks of camp. It's tough to do that even in a couple of weeks in the, in the regular season. But it seems like this defensive group, transfers and all, really has come together really nicely. And that's a testament to Matt House and this entire defensive coaching staff. And I think that's a testament to these players themselves. I look at Omar Spates, for example. I mean, I, everything that I hear about this kid or see about, I see of this kid or, or read about this kid is that he is just, uh, he grinds his butt off, that he's a leader on the field, that he just, every single rep he gives is 110% effort. And I think there's a lot of value to Omar Spates bringing in how much experience and expertise he has. I mean, he was a four-year starter at Oregon State. He's a captain that's this past season at Oregon State. So he brings a veteran leadership presence to this linebacker room that I think is going to prove to be invaluable. Um, Ovia Gufo is, is another example of that as well. So I think, I think how quickly the defense has come together and how confident they have looked so far in training camp has been one positive surprise for me. And if we want to get into specific players, one player that I've talked a lot about is Ashton Stamps, not a name that I expected to say as many times as they have on the podcast in the past week or so, um, but a very uh, positive surprise nonetheless. Another question, very interesting question, and a question that I've talked about a lot with you know, just myself or other, you know, friends who are college football fans, not necessarily LSU fans, but college football fans. So do you think that LSU can make the college football playoff even with a loss to Florida State? Because I was asked this the other day. I went on um, the News of Montgomery with a, good, with a friend, uh, the host of, of Locked On Crimson Tide. He asked me, you know, how do you feel about LSU scheduling a game like Florida state so early in the season, I was like, I'll be honest with you. I got a love hate relationship with it. I love that this team gets some real competition week one of the season. I love that. I get to learn a lot more about my team week one than maybe another team that scheduled a cupcake week one. But what I don't love about it is if you lose that game, you're probably going to be counted out for the rest of the season. And that stinks. But also, I do think that LSU can still make the college football playoff even with a loss to Florida State. Because I think Florida State's going to be really good this year. It definitely makes, you know, it, not just LSU, Florida State too. Whichever team loses this game, it's going to shrink the margin for error 
exponentially for the rest of the season. You lose to Florida State, that puts a whole lot more pressure on every other conference game on your schedule. You lose to Florida State, one more loss on your schedule, and your college football playoff hopes are completely gone. That's one thing that we learned about the college football playoff is one loss, or two losses, you're and you're not going to the, to the playoff. You're just not. No two-loss team ever has. So do I think that LSU can? Yes, absolutely. It just makes the rest of your season that much more important and that much more difficult. But if Florida State is the only loss in LSU schedule, I have a really good feeling about LSU getting a bid to the college football playoff. I don't know how you wouldn't put LSU into the, into the CFP with just one loss with a schedule like they have. And the third and final question that I will get to on this week's Mailbag Wednesday, which game am I most excited about? And this is tough for me because obviously Florida State, for a myriad of reasons, one, it's the first game on the schedule. So obviously I'm pumped about it. The second reason being it's a huge game. You know, it's potentially a season-defining game. It's going to be a game that everyone in America's eyes are going to be glued to. One, because it's a great game. Two, because it's the only game on at the time. Um, So it's easy for me to say Florida State. So I'm not going to use that as a cop-out. I'm going to say Ole Miss. And it's not just because some of my best friends went to Ole Miss. It's not just because I'm going to that game and I'm very excited for it. It's because I think it's placed in a very interesting time of the schedule. Because you get past Florida State. You've got Grambling, Mississippi State, and Arkansas. Three very winnable games. You get past Ole Miss. You got Missouri, Auburn, and Army before you get to Alabama. So those are three winnable games. We'll see where Auburn is at by the midpoint in the season where Hugh Freeze is able to get this this team midway point in the season. But Ole Miss is sandwiched between three very winnable games in Grambling, Mississippi State, Arkansas, Missouri, Auburn, and Army. So if you can get past Ole Miss, which is going to be, you know, Probably an SEC Network game. Ole Miss is probably going to be a very, you know, highly touted team. Ole Miss always is. A Lane Kiffin coach team always is, especially at that point in the season. So if you get past that game, you could potentially be going into Alabama undefeated. So you beat Florida State. You got three winnable games. You beat Ole Miss. You got three more winnable games. Well, there you go. You are 8-0 heading into Alabama. And even if you drop that game in Tuscaloosa, you've got three more game, winnable games after that in Florida, Georgia State, and Texas A&M. So you could potentially be 11-1 at that point. And depending on what Alabama does, you may or may not win the West with that. So I think that Ole Miss falls in a very pivotal point of the season, and it's going to be a test, but it's not an overly – I don't want to say overly difficult test because I don't know that quite yet – but traditionally isn't the most daunting task or isn't the most daunting game on LSU's schedule, but falls at a point where I'm sure they're going to be hungry for some stiffer competition and is going to provide a whole lot more confidence going into the rest of the schedule. So I'm pumped for Ole Miss. I think that's going to be a really fun game. Uh, But that's going to do it for me today. Thank you for making Locked on LSU your first listen every single day. Of course, we are free and available wherever you get your podcasts. Everydayers. What's the national media saying about LSU? Are their expectations as high as our expectations? We'll get into that on tomorrow's edition of Locked in LSU.